If you're able to stand, I want to invite you to stand as we read God's word to us this morning. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9 is what this portion that God has laid out for us. I'm going to read this into your hearing. Um, and, and then afterward, I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord. And if you agree with me, then I want to encourage you to say, thanks be to God. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went As the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, several years ago, when our when our church was taking a regular rotation um, at the clothes closet and food pantry, um, I was uh, I had a shift there, and I was collecting food for for people who had come and and was walking it out to their cars and, and helping them unload it and uh, had a really interesting interaction with one couple who um, when when I carried these um, this food out to their car they, they started to divide it up so I don't know if they were married or whatever they divided up the food and um, they were arguing about who was going to get what? And uh, the lady uh, wanted more of the food than the, the man wanted her to have. And so she kept picking all the things he wanted and he kept fussing about it. Um, and then she fussed at him uh, for mishandling her food, you know, so roughly. And at some point, whenever all this is going on, I'm just you know, trying to finish and trying to get back in there and help out. Um, he turns to her and he says, you're awfully difficult. And she she looked at him and she said, I'm a child of God. 
<laughs> I just, I, I thought, wow, that's that quite a response. Um, I don't know her. Um, I don't, for all I know, she is a child of God. But I thought that was really interesting that when she was being, from what I could tell, pretty selfish and stingy and particular, and whenever he called her out on it, her ready response to any kind of criticism was, I'm a child of God, don't you say that I'm particular. You can't criticize me about anything. Um, and I, I did think, you know, here in the Bible Belt, everyone thinks everyone is a child of God. And, and there's a way where no matter what someone believes about God, um, or how, whether someone's living for God, they would assume God is just in the business of blessing people. And therefore, no one should say anything negative about us. Because we're blessed and we're a child of God. I wonder what you think it means to be a child of God. Or what it means to be blessed by God. Have you thought that that means we get to do just whatever we want? And whatever blessing we want, we, we can have and, and we can take it from others. Or that to be a child of God means that we can treat other people poorly and not care ultimately about what blessings they get. Well, when we come to Genesis chapter 12, we have this repetition of the word in the first few verses, blessing. And we get a lesson in who it is who deserves blessing, who receives blessing. And, and, and maybe this would challenge your thoughts on the subject. I think deep down, naturally, all of us think that we can live in a way that we can secure God's blessings. And often what we're thinking about is, have I been good enough to get God to bless me? We, we think God is fair in that way, that he would reward good people. But Genesis 12 teaches us something different. And I want you to let this set in the main point of Genesis 12, 1 through 9 is to get God's blessing. You've got to bless God's man. You see that just explicitly there in verse 3. I will bless those who bless you, Abram. And anyone who dishonors you, I will curse. We have to. Bless him. That's the title of the sermon. Bless him. God's man. Genesis 12 moves in two big movements. It moves as Abraham actually moves. Here he's known as Abram. But in Genesis 12, God's man is, is picking up and he leaves everything 
in order to get these blessings that God has promised him. Verse 1, we find Abram at home in Haran. And then we see him move in verse 4 as he sets out for the promised land. So that will be the organization of the sermon. Verses 1 through 3. And then secondly, we'll look at verses 4 through 9. Point number 1 is in verses 1 through 3. God's man has God's blessings. This is point number 1. This is what we learn in these very important verses in Genesis, but also in the whole Bible. And this is a truth you need to get. God's man has God's blessings. I wonder what is more surprising to you. Either that there's only one man who has God's blessings. That's what it says. Or is it more surprising to you that God blesses any man at all? I mean, many people assume God's got to bless people. That's kind of his job. And when we look at page one of the Bible, Genesis 1, 28, uh, the very first words God spoke to people was a blessing. Very first thing he says to people is, blessed are you. Uh, so some people just see this everywhere and that that's still the way that God is in relating to everyone. But listen, you cannot understand where the rest of the Bible goes unless you get this right. God's job is not to bless people. God's job is to be God over people. Now, that means if we're going to get a blessing, it's got to be from him because we have no good apart from God. But the one whose job is to bless, it's our job to bless and honor God. That's why he made us to Honor him and bless him. And what the Bible teaches is that you don't do that and I don't do that. We're all sinners who've abandoned that job of living for God. We will not understand Genesis 12 or the rest of the Bible unless we understand this truth. Every human has forfeited. Any right to the blessings of God. And that's very clear already at this point in the book of Genesis. Right before our chapter, the entire world is rebelling and forfeiting any right to the blessings of God. At the Tower of Babel, chapter 11, if you just glance in verses 4 through 7... Of the chapter before, you will see all of humanity trying to make a name for themselves, not for God. All of humanity trying to settle into one place when God told them to spread out everywhere. They are rejecting God. And so, 
this is the thing that should be more surprising to you is that God blesses anyone at all. One of the clearest signs that someone is dangerously deceived is that they think God has to bless them. He does not. When we get to this point in Genesis 12, God has not opened his mouth and spoken to anyone. For ten generations. Because they don't deserve. The life that he gives when he speaks. Ever since his judgment. Through Noah. He hasn't said anything to anyone. And then we get to Genesis 12. And we should come here. Shocked at what we see. Five times. The word bless appears in verses 2 and 3. In the original language, it's actually seven times. And seven's a meaningful word, especially in Genesis. It means completeness. What, what I'm saying is, God's man has all God's blessings. When God comes and blesses Abraham seven times, He's telling us all of my blessings I'm giving to this one man. Not only is the blessing to God's man surprising, it's also really specific. God's man has God's blessing specifically of place. You see that in verse 1 where he promises him first the blessing of land. And he's very clear, in order to get that blessing, it's going to cost Abram greatly. And notice how he says, you're going to have to leave, not just your country, you're going to have to leave, not just your extended family, you're going to have to leave your father, Abram. The Lord is Calling, he's offering all of God, all of his blessings, but it's going to be costly. It's calling Abram to leave every familiarity and every comfort. But God's man has God's blessing, not only of place, he also he has the blessing of people in verse two. In verse two, he's he's saying, uh, you know. My man is going to have to leave his country, but when he does, I'm going to make him a great nation. That is this promise that God is going to make of Abram a, a whole government that is full of citizens. That is not going to be like any other government in the entire world. It's going to be one of consequence, a great nation. God's man has God's blessing of place, of people, but also of princehood. That, that's what I think is behind what he says in, in verse 2. I'll make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. So that you will be a blessing. This is really amazing if you're just paying attention reading the Bible. 
Because in chapter 11, you would have heard God have a conversation with himself in heaven, looking down on humanity, making a name for themselves. And then God says, let's go down there and let's destroy their work. Humanity is still doing that, isn't it? Every one of us deep down is still tempted to try to make a name for ourselves. Well, if you do that, it's all going to be in vain. What the whole world wants, though, God's man gets. It is God who's going to make a great name of Abram. So he's going to give him this great nation, but within the nation, Abram's going to have this great name. I think that's what that's implying is princes, kings, a great man within the great nation will be Abram. And in fact, in a few few chapters, this is exactly what we're going to hear in Genesis chapter 17, where God says, I will make you to Uh, To Abram's wife, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. This woman who's barren and can't have any children. And he says, I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. This is amazing. The promises, the blessings that God makes to this one man when no one deserves his blessings. Place, people, princehood, and then in verse 3, protection. Protection. Listen to what God says in verse 3. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. If you cross borders like he's being called the cross... What you need to expect is to lose all the favorable treatment you ever had. Abram and his wife are going to leave everyone that they could count on. And what the Lord is saying is, you're not going to leave me. I will be with you. The Lord blessed Abram with his protection, his his presence. You will be a foreigner in this land, but I will be with you. And anyone who disparages Abram, we'll see this play out in Genesis. Harm, anyone who harms Abram will be placed under the curse of Almighty God. They will forfeit anything good. They will go from being able to get God's blessings if they bless God's man to then forfeiting. You have no chance of blessing. To get God's blessing, you got to bless God's man. So I wonder if you will hear that. Will you listen to the Lord? If he were to measure up your life, he would know. He would owe you the same thing he owes me, and that is death and judgment. 
Will you be blessed? And you have to honor his chosen man. He's given the blessings of God and place and people and princehood and protection. But then, fifthly, purpose. Purpose. Abram is blessed with this special purpose at the end of verse 3. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So what we have here in Genesis 12 is God's eyes are on one man. And yet his blessing, his determination of blessing is on the whole world. And and what, what we're being told here is not something brand new. It's actually that God has not yet turned away from his original purpose. Because in Genesis 1, this is what he said to humanity. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the whole earth. Fill the entire earth with my blessing and people who know me. So I think it would be really awkward for Abraham if he had lived long enough to see what the nation of Israel did in their relationship with the nations. I think he would have found it really strange to be walking around in the New Testament and see the Jewish people hate the nations. To see the Jewish people become so proud, so angry by any suggestion that God would bless the world. Now listen. God deals with us based on what we do with his man. But this man has this purpose to spread God's blessings to the entire world. God's man has God's blessings of place, of people, of princehood, of protection, of purpose, but then finally by promise. He's got it by promise. He's got it by the word of the one who we saw last week throughout Genesis 1 through 11 speaks into existence things that do not exist. Five times the Lord says to Abram, I will, I will, I will. I will, I will. The Lord is going to get all his blessings to his man. But I think it's a good point to stop here and say, why, Abram? Why bless him? I want to stop here and say this because I really don't want you to misunderstand. And God would not want you to misunderstand. Why bless Abram? Not because Abram's good. I mean, like, the next verse we look at Next week, 
will tell us just how selfish this man is. And, and we may find that out next week, but God did not find it out after this. He knew it all along. In fact, later in Joshua, we're told what it is God found his man doing whenever he was given him all his blessings. It says in Joshua 24, Long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they, Abraham and his father, served other gods. So, when Pete led us in that prayer earlier that everyone here bows the knee to other gods, Abraham would have said, Amen. It is not because Abraham deserves this blessing that God sets him apart as his man. No one deserves God's blessing. God's choice of this man is all of grace. It's all of God's goodness. What we're seeing is not the goodness of God's man. We're seeing the grace of God. Because if God only blessed the good, he wouldn't bless anyone. But what we hear, even in the, all the way into the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we hear this. God chose what is foolish. God chooses what is weak. God chooses what is low. God chooses what is despised. God chooses the things that are not. You're not going to come up with any kind of reason for what Abram is to be the one man who has God's blessing. He is one who is not anything good in himself. He has this purpose so that no one is going to boast in his presence, including Father Abraham. Amen. God's man has all God's blessings. But point number two, we do see God's man go and get them. He, he goes and he gets all of God's blessings. Look in chapter 12, verse 4. So Abram went. As the Lord had told him and Lot with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. God's man goes to get the blessings. And once he gets to Canaan, notice in verse 7, God appears to him again. And he says, okay, this is the place. I told you to go to the place of my, that I'll show you. That's the place that I'm going to give you as land. And here in verse 7, once he gets to Canaan, he says, this is the place. And right there, Abram builds an altar to the Lord and then, and then he travels on some more. And then again in verse eight, notice what he does again when he stops between Bethel and I, he, he stops there and he builds an altar to the Lord and calls upon the name of the Lord. Now, Abram was religious before this. We, we talked about that. He was already worshiping the moon with his father. But what we see here in verses four through nine is not just religion. This is Abram explicitly saying, I have forsaken every other God. And I am devoted to the God. 
He builds an altar to Yahweh, the creator of heaven and earth. And every step he takes toward getting these blessings, he's, he's stopping and he's, he's worshiping the Lord. He's thanking the Lord. Every single stop that he makes along the way as he moves toward getting the blessings, he's, he's making sacrifices. That's why he builds an altar. God's man doesn't just want God's blessings. God doesn't want to lose uh, God's man doesn't want to lose God because of his sin. And so he he makes these sacrifices. To the Lord along the way. Now, I want to give you just a little tip on reading the Bible. Um, Whenever one of the Bible's most important people. Is first introduced, and that's what we have here. Abraham. Whenever one of the Bible's most important people is introduced. Zoom in. Zoom in on the details. Even what we're told in verse 4. God had waited until Abram had been 75 years old. I think he's, in order to speak to him and call him, I, I think he's making the point. This great man's life, it, it just began whenever God did this. It's almost like those 75 years before it did not matter. Zoom in. Zoom in on whenever the, a key character's first words are spoken. I mean, listen to what Abraham says in, in verses 1 through 9. He says nothing. What I'm saying is all we have is obedience. God called him in verses 1 through 3. And verse 4 says, so Abram went. All we see is Abram go and get the promises. This is the way Hebrews 11 puts it. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. He just went. John Calvin said that God's man here followed God verbum nudum. That is based on the bare or the naked, the nudum verbum or word of God. God's man, in other words, doesn't demand specifics of where he's going. He doesn't ask how long it's going to take. He doesn't wait to get an assurance of how hard it's going to be and then make the decision. God's man goes to get the blessings just because God told him to. And that must have been really I think instructive, I hope to you, but uh, especially to the people who first read Genesis 12, to Moses' people. They're right on the edge of that very land that God had promised to Abram. I think when we see in verse 6 that the Canaanites were already there. I think that little detail is thrown in there for, for that original audience. God had promised the land, in other words, when it was already full of scary enemies. 
And they're to hear this and see what Abraham does. And they're to say, God said it. He said he'd give it to us. Let's go in. And let's get the blessing. Now, one thing that the first people who read this would not do One thing that people who read this now often do is think God needs to treat us the same way as he did Abram. Here's what I mean. Genesis 12 is not here to say God might do this for you one day. He might just appear out of the blue You're just waiting to hear from God about how he's going to make you great. If you just pray and wait. Maybe he's going to reveal that one thing you've been waiting for, your purpose in life and how the whole world's going to be blessed. If you can just do this thing that God is entrusting to you. No, friend, you're not the man. Neither am I. And neither one of us will ever be the man. The first readers knew that. They knew to get God's blessing, I got to bless God's man. So who's the man? Well, you can start. No one said anything. (laughs) Who's the man? Okay, thank you. I should ask for it. Uh, one thing you can say, Peyton, is not me. I would have accepted, not you, preacher. But you got to let this set in. It ain't you, and it ain't me. It's also not exactly Abram. Look in verse 7. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I will give this land. So Abram gets to tour the land. But it's his offspring, singular offspring, his son who's going to get it. Abram's son is the man. And what we're going to see as we keep going through the book of Genesis is God's blessings being traced from Abram to Isaac to Jacob, whose name becomes Israel. That nation then carries God's blessings through the world. But we'll see in in Exodus chapter 32, their disobedience with the golden calf makes God threaten. I'll give you the land, but I ain't going in there with you. And Moses said, well, that would ruin everything. And so he pled with the Lord to stay with them. And God did. And then they didn't trust him. To give him that land of Canaan because of all the big bad giants in there. So God waited a whole generation for all those people to die off. To find a people who would trust him. What I'm saying is. The Old Testament is the story of the nation of Israel not getting all God's blessings. And that means 
No one gets them. The whole world has to wait. Who's the man? Who? This is the way Genesis or the whole Old Testament ends. Who is God's man who will give us God's blessings? Well, a virgin conceives. And in Luke 1, Mary, the mother of Jesus, says, God has remembered his mercy. That he spoke to Abraham and his offspring forever. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Well, apparently she did. On some level, Mary knew her boy was the man. But I I doubt she knew exactly how it is that God's blessings were going to come to the world through Jesus. She didn't know what her baby boy would have to do to get all God's blessings. But we don't we don't have to wonder. We we are told by God how he did it. No matter how familiar you are with the answer to this question, I want you to take this in. What Susan read to us earlier, all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. That means unless you obey all of God's laws, whether you know what they are or not. Then you are cursed by God. And every one of us is cursed by God. And then Galatians says, Jesus Christ redeemed us, bought us, saved us from that curse by becoming a curse. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus Christ hung on a tree to become the cursed one of God so that in him the blessing of Abraham might come to the world. That's what it says. How is it that Mary's baby boy saves our sons and daughters? How is it that everyone in the world can be blessed by God? God's own son was cursed and took all of God's anger on the cross. So listen, if you want God's blessings, You need to stop trying to be good. He will not give them to you. If you just try to be good. If you want God's blessings, don't misunderstand Genesis 12. You don't have to bless Israel. Or make sure you get on the right side of this war that's going on right now. That is not the point. The point of Genesis 12. 12 is Jesus is the man. What what does it say about him in Ephesians chapter 1? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He offers all God's blessings 
to all the world. Would you be blessed? Do you want in? He's not promising you money. He's not promising you long life. This is what he promises. This is, this is the way Peter says it in Acts chapter 3. He sent his son to bless you by turning you away from your wickedness. That's the blessing of Abraham. What that means is your wickedness. If you want to be blessed, your wickedness is no disqualification to getting blessed. He offers his blessings to the whole world is full of wickedness. But if you refuse to give up your wickedness. And if you don't want him more, you will not be blessed. That's what it means to curse Jesus. And to be cursed by Jesus. It's living like you don't want him. It's living like you don't need him. But if you believe that you need him. And if you want the Lord Jesus. Listen to me. Everyone who calls on his name will be blessed. If you call on the name of Jesus. If you turn to him in faith. He will give you all God's blessings. I don't know what all y'all are going to do. But I say, church, let's bless him. Let's bless him. Let's bless the son of Abraham. Let's believe in him. Let's trust him. Let's put him first. That ultimately, I think, is what blessing him means trusting him and putting him first. And that's something that God's man in Genesis 12 does. That all God's people should do. Obey him. Verbum, nudum. This is what Jesus said. Whoever loves father or mother more than me. Just as he called Abraham to leave behind his father. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's a promise. Bless him, church. Don't curse him. Don't live like anything in your life is better than him. Don't live like anything, anyone in your life is more important to you than him. And listen to me, young people, children, listen to me right now. Abraham was 75 years old. And his old age was no reason, no excuse for him not to follow the Lord with everything. And your young age is no reason not to follow the Lord with absolutely everything. He's calling you now. To silent and simple obedience to the Lord. That's the only kind of obedience there is. I want to encourage every one of you right now, whether you're a child or whether whatever age you are, don't ask him any questions. Don't make any demands on your on his on your life. Don't ask for ease. Don't ask for health. Don't ask for relationships. God's commands and God's presence are more important than every relationship and every priority in all the world. Don't wait. Just trust him and follow him. 
He's more important than your school. He's more important than your success. He's more important than your safety. The Lord Jesus is God's man. And if you bless him, you get all of God's blessings. So will you join the redeemed all over the globe? And bless him. Lord Jesus, may your name endure forever. May your fame continue as long as the sun. And may people be blessed in you and all nations. And this people call you blessed. Amen.